This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we are joined by Glenn and Carol McNitt. Glenn and Carol breed and train quarter horses here in the valley. Glenn retired as a district ranger with the U.S. Forest Service in 2010. He had also been a federal Type 2 incident commander for a dozen years during his USFS tenure. Glenn currently works for Wildfire Defense Systems out of Bozeman, Montana, a private company contracted by insurance companies to assess and fight wildfires threatening insured homes. Glenn is also with FEMA and gets deployed when the need arises and his schedule allows. Carol has become a very trusted source of information when fires break out in the area, and Valley Views is pleased to be joined by them both. Welcome, folks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glenn, I wanted to start off by asking you first uh, about generally about how fires behave and also how individual fires can have their own personality. Oh, absolutely. Uh, There are many factors that go into figuring out what a fire is going to do, especially a wildfire. You have the, the terrain, you have the vegetation or the fuel, how thick it is or how light it is. You have uh, the weather, the winds, the humidity, the temperature. All of those factors have to be taken into account uh, when you look at a fire to see what it's going to do, what the potential for it to uh, burn. and. Uh, especially, for example, the spring uh, fire uh, south of us right now. Um, There are pockets of very heavy fuel on steep slopes that will burn very uh, quickly, very hot, very intense fire. And uh, then you'll have other areas that are lighter grass, uh, flatter slopes, and they may burn at night, so they may not burn as intense as uh, what we see, say, in the afternoons when it, uh, the temperature heats up and uh, uh, we see the large plumes of smoke. Uh, those are usually very intense fires that uh, burn uh, uh, quite rapidly, especially if they're burning uphill, as we know. Uh, heat rises, and so when fires, especially wildfires, burn, if they're burning uphill, they're going to burn much hotter, much faster. And so you have all of these different factors that have to be uh, looked at to determine what a fire is going to do, how it's going to react. And, uh, um, and that's the personality of that fire. When you look at the fuels, you look at the terrain, the weather conditions that uh, you're looking at, all of that determines that character of that fire. And when we hear that a, a fire is developing its own weather pattern, what, what does that refer to? Usually that happens when uh, there's real heavy fuels and the fire is burning. Uh, it's, uh, the temperature is very hot. It's usually 90, 100 degrees. Um, the winds are pushing the fire And so you get all of these conditions together where there's so much heat rising at once that the fire actually can make its own weather. And uh, you will see that uh, large column of smoke, and uh, um, usually that means the fire is building its own 
uh, column and therefore its own weather. And I know uh, I've heard the incident commanders say multiple times that the number one priority of fighting a fire is protection of human life. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about uh, your ideas about what proper evacuation preparation is and about the different stages of evacuation. Sure. Um, Well, I'll start with uh, there's three stages of evacuation, one, two, and three. One is basically a pre-evac. That means get your stuff together, get all your valuables together, uh, your medicines, your pets, your animals, All of those uh, items you have to uh, uh, get together and know where you're going to go, how you're going to get out of the uh, subdivision. If you're in a subdivision or on a long, windy dirt road, you need to uh, take all of that into consideration during that pre-evac period. The uh, second level of evacuation is basically an advisory that says the fire's coming, If you have a lot of uh, animals or other items that need to be evacuated, you need to start evacuating at that point. It's not mandatory at that point, but uh, it's an advisory to be ready that the fire is is coming. And then uh, the level three is a mandatory evacuation. And that means uh, the sheriff's going to come by and encourage you to uh, leave your property. Um, in a lot of states, the uh, mandatory evacuation, you can say that you don't want to evacuate at that point, but I really, really uh, advise against that um, because when somebody doesn't evacuate the area, it, it can create significant problems for the fire crews that are coming in and trying to fight that fire. As you mentioned before, life is the number one priority and saving lives is the number one priority. And what happens is people think that they can stay in their home and that they'll be okay. And then when the fire gets closer and the smoke and the heat starts, uh, they get scared and they want help in getting out. And, um, and so that takes the firefighters away from being able to fight the fire. They have to help the person out because life is going to be the number one priority or saving lives is the number one priority. So I really encourage everyone to adhere to the evacuation notices and to take it seriously and don't think that you're going to be able to stay in your home and uh, water down your roof with a garden hose. It just doesn't happen that way. And I understand that when you're faced with someone that has not evacuated, you are put in the position of putting your men at risk to fight for these people's safety that should have already been gone. Absolutely. We will disengage from a fire when the conditions are such that it's dangerous to be in there. Well, if you've got somebody that's in their house that's in that area, you're going to have to go in and try and get them out or a lot of times we don't have an opportunity to do that. And unfortunately, that's when you have a a serious accident or a death on a fire, and nobody wants to see that happen. And uh, here locally, we've been, not only this year, but in in fires past, amazed at at the resources the, the 
Forest Service has, uh, and for instance, when the adobe fire started recently, within a couple hours, we had 100 firefighters fighting that fire. Can you tell me a little bit about what it's like to be a firefighter and, and who these young men and women are and what their summer is like fighting these fires? Well, they're usually in very good shape um, and physically because f uh, fighting fire is a tremendous physical um, effort to fight fire. Um, you're in very hot conditions. You're often right up against the fire, so the heat is intense. And so these young men and women that fight fire are incredible uh, individuals who put their lives on the line to help save homes and save uh, natural resources and save lives. And Carol, I wanted to ask you, um, you're a neighbor of mine, but I first uh, became aware of you when you started posting updates on fires uh, last summer. I wanted uh, to ask you a little bit about how you gather your information. Well, some of that's top secret, but I'll tell you what originally happened. Um, Glenn was incident commander, a federal type two incident commander, and he'd be gone on fires for quite some time, um, sometimes weeks, sometimes months at a time, and I wouldn't be getting much information. This was, you know, still after the internet was going strong, but there wasn't a Facebook and there wasn't a, a Twitter at the time. So I started building a database of dispatch centers around mostly the 14 Western states. And I could log on and see which engines and what crews were being sent and what planes were being sent. And the more resources that were being sent out, it meant a bigger and bigger fire. So through the years, as Twitter came on board and Facebook came on board, I built a Twitter feed. And I tied it to literally every dispatch center in the 14 western states that Wildfire Defense now works uh, in and Glenn works in. And then I added... Um, other Twitter feeds and announcements and bulletins from emergency services in each state's emergency services division. Um, and I just kept adding and adding resources. And now I have television stations that cover fires, and I have the actual fire n newspaper pages. And so they're all hooked into my Twitter feed. And so uh, if, I, if I'm on it and not out riding a horse somewhere or teaching a clinic, up comes the Twitter feed and said, and says, uh, this is a 20-acre fire here, or this is a 50-acre fire here, and multiple resources are being sent. And so I, I watch those for a little while to see how many resources are being sent, what it looks like, and then I'll look on Google Earth and go, uh-oh, you know, I've learned a lot from Glenn through the years about fire behavior and have studied a lot of, of fire science. And so if that looks bad and Glenn's on duty, then that information goes to Glenn and then he'll dispatch engines and, and resources to the fires. On behalf of the community, I wanted to thank you. Carol, for the fabulous job you do. It's, uh, we were talking about this earlier. It's, it's hard to find a lot of the information all in one place. It's, it's here and there, and, and you do a fabulous job of getting it all together. And uh, you have a little magic going where we find out about these things uh, from you even before they're officially released. So, Well, that's the secret part that you won't hear today. But here's the thing. Um, 
if you get your information from reliable sources, and I can make mistakes too, um, and sometimes the officials on the fire will make a mistake or information is misplaced or it's not uh, transferred uh, quite right. So, you know, I can make mistakes too, but I try to be really careful because I think the more people understand fire behavior, like what Glenn was talking about, and the more people understand the actual circumstances of the fire, then instead of being worried and being very anxious about it, they can be getting themselves prepared, which is really, you know, my new motto is don't be scared, be prepared. Well, Carol and Glenn, I understand you folks are going to be going fishing. So in your absence, what, what, uh, what sort of resources would you suggest that folks visit to get information on these fires? Well, if, if you know you have a fire that multiple resources are being sent to and that it's not just a few-hour event, you know, in a small spot fire being put out, you can go on Google or whatever search engine you have and type in the name of the fire and where it's at, and up will come news feeds from radio stations, TV stations, and so on, and you can get updated information. If a fire is more than 100 acres or they know it's going to be a prolonged event and lots of resources being sent, there will be a, become a Twitter page for it. So if you're not on Twitter, you can join Twitter in about 30 seconds, uh, and then you put a hashtag and the name of the fire, all in lowercase, all together, like the current fire is the spring fire, hashtag spring fire or spring creek fire. And that is where the team will be posting, uh, media will post, but you'll also get a lot of anecdotal information that may or may not be true and may or may not be official. So you have to really look at the source. You also have to look at the day that it was posted and the number of hours ago because they're not necessarily in chronological order. And then another thing you can do is put the name of the fire into Facebook or the name of the team, like Shane Greer, the incident commander on the south uh, part of the fire now, um, is uh, uh, Spring Fire 2018, and that's their Facebook page. And so they'll post daily briefings, videos, maps, uh, just about any kind of information you'd want to get. Well, Glenn and Carol, thank you so much for joining us at Valley Views today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Good luck, everybody. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 